Welcome to episode 66 of The Photo Show with my guest today, Gordon Statinius of Candela Books and Gallery. And yes, that means I was able to get to APAD to record with Gordon, and I'll talk a little bit about that later on. But first, uh, the current show at the JKC Gallery is with Nico J. Kalyanyotis. Uh, And his work is called America in a Trance. And we actually had a nice surprise because Nico showed up with a book that was hot off the presses. Uh, And I'm not sure how it's going to be sold if there are pre-orders. But if you go to Facebook and look for America in a Trance, the book does have a Facebook page and you can find out more about it there. And if you want to know more about Nico's show down in Trenton, Just visit thephotoshow.org if you're not already there listening to this podcast, and there's uh, a link to the show on the site. So what else is new? Um, For those of you who have been listening to the show for a number of years, you might remember sometime back there was a big change to the website. I went from a WordPress site to a site that I created using Adobe Muse uh, because my host doesn't really handle WordPress that well. Adobe just announced that they are discontinuing Adobe Muse. I guess it's not making a gajillion dollars. Uh, So that means I have to redo the website once again. And of course, I know there are options out there. There's a particular service out there that sponsors a whole lot of podcasts. It has to do with a shape and a space. I'd be happy to use them with a little bit of sponsorship. Uh, So I'm not exactly sure what I'm going to do. I have some ideas in mind. It does mean changing my host service because I don't want to get stuck with some slow WordPress in case I go that way. I'm even toying with the idea of a slight tweak to the name to help separate it from the other photo shows or photography shows out there. But I will keep you all informed. And if I do go with a new site and even a new URL, uh, the old site will point to the new site for a good amount of time so that everyone can find the new site. I'll also make sure that the RSS stream stays the same so that if you are streaming on iTunes or Android or Stitcher or TuneIn or whatever you're using, uh, that won't change. That'll stay the same, even if the name changes a little bit. Well, that announcement just spun away from me and got really dry and technical. So here's my last announcement that is a little less dry. Uh, I am a juror for the raw exhibition that's being put on by the Noise Museum of Art that is part of Stockton University and is now housed in a brand new space called the Arts Garage in Atlantic City, which looks like a really interesting place. It houses a museum. It also houses some shops and galleries and classrooms and studios, as well as an African-American heritage museum. But the deadline for that show isn't until July, and I will post a link to that on the photoshow.org website. On the other hand, uh, my guest today, again, is Gordon Statinius, and the deadline for his open call from Candela Books and Gallery, called Unbound, is April 27th. So at the time I am recording this, that is only six days away. So you should definitely check that out before the deadline passes. And Gordon and I discussed the Unbound show and how it was meant to help new and mid-career artists get their work into a collection, and maybe use that as a stepping stone to help them achieve their next goal. And this idea of providing a space for artists who are doing interesting things with uh, the medium and pushing genres in new ways is a big reason why Gordon started Candela Books and Gallery. So we had a great conversation at APAD, but also know that the sound quality might not be what you're used to because it was a very noisy space, and we were hand-holding the microphones sitting on benches. 
And as you can imagine, Gordon was pretty busy keeping one eye on his booth while we were talking uh, at APAD. Uh, so, but everything worked out and we had a fantastic conversation. So enjoy the show, everyone, and we'll talk soon. quite a bit of background noise because we are at APAD and I am with Gordon Statinius and he is keeping a close eye on his booth because <laughs> he is actually working and I'm pulling him away from that. Right on. It's my pleasure to be here. <laughs> I do have one eye on the booth though. Yes. Gordon, I think I became aware of you because of the Lou Draper exhibition, the Louis Draper exhibition at the Stephen Kasher Gallery what, a year or two ago. Mm-hmm, indeed. You were... Actually, uh, were you kind of managing that archive? I was. Uh, I was representing that archive at that time and uh, more or less put together that show for Stephen. What was available, we were trying to figure out uh, what was uh, going to land in a few museum destined portfolios. And Stephen Kasher's got a slightly different agenda. And so we were trying to put together something for him, and it went really well. He did awesomely with that. Yeah, that was a nice show. That was, was a really beautiful. nice show. And it was, it, was a, a, it was big, too. It was actually pretty ambitious. Exactly. And it was uh, probably the first time most people had seen Draper's work at that show. Right? Well, there was a, the Kamonge group was there, so they had Kamonge seen it. Kamonge group was there, and <laughs> yeah, and I, that, in many ways, that was, the, I think, the, the, the function that Kamonge served was to bring attention to the work of Lou and so many others. Right. But uh, yes, it had gone. He was an educator, and as with any educator, he was, you know, a little under the radar often. Yeah, well, he was tucked away down at my, uh, my school, Mercer right. County Community College. That's right. <laughs> So, how about you? Where did you get your start? I, I was looking over your bio. I didn't see like where you went to school or anything like that. Um, I studied photography initially at University of Virginia, but it was really just kind of tacked on to a printmaking practice. I was mostly doing printmaking and drawing and kind of a, a BFA art kid, just taking a lot of credits. Um, and post-college, I wound up working in a little art and design studio and uh, had access to a photo studio. So, I really, that was kind of by default, what I became most interested in because I lacked the printmaking facilities that I had in college. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then uh, photo, I actually had friends who kind of put me through the paces and took classes here and there. I took some classes at the Art Institute in San Francisco, University of Arizona, some art history along the way. So uh, I kind of patched together a, a, a photo education post, postgraduate. Postgraduate, uh, post post college. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Did you did you do graduate or? No? I did not. Okay. Yeah. I was uh, in the mid nineties. I was actually planning on going to grad school, but my my then girlfriend and I were we got pregnant essentially, <laughs> and I deferred and never never made it. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's sort of a course not taken. Yeah, yeah. So then, what what year did you graduate undergrad? Undergrad in eighty eight. In eighty eight. Okay. Mm -hmm. So eighty eight, and then did you what were you uh, what were the plans right after that then? Besides uh, uh, getting someone pregnant. <laughs> yeah, no, that was not in the plans, uh, exactly. Uh, no, and it took a few years before that happened, too. So in, the, in my 20s, I was mostly um, I was uh, doing some things. I worked in a kitchen while uh, trying to make art and tried to uh, work commercially, too, just with bands and friends and were like you, any young photographer. Were you all still in Virginia? Or? No, I moved to uh, San Francisco. Oh, wow. I was also an art director for the Congressional Digest, which is a weird sort of lofty thing to say, but it's only, uh, it, it, it's not lofty. I, I, it what is a, it? 
Well, it was a it was a it was a kind of a low uh, fidelity magazine, print magazine, and it was kind of a not a great looking family run periodical. And I didn't do too much to lift its uh, <laughs> relative uh, quality. I, I just did word formatting. I did photo, you know, pen and ink illustrations. And uh, for two years, though, I was freelance, which was kind of a neat salary for a young guy because it was like half a salary, and and I didn't need to be anywhere in particular to do it. So I moved to San Francisco and uh, took some classes and and worked as a photographer, a photographer assistant, and started to piece together some skills for photography. So uh, you think more of your photographic education was accomplished out there, in a sense, uh, in terms of having some business skills and some business skills, skills? Yeah, I tacked on some business skills. I moved to Tucson, Arizona, after a couple of years in San Francisco, and I worked for a, a stock photo agency. Mary Virginia Swanson is a name a lot of people recognize, and uh, she's like a, a well-known figure in the art world, but this was kind of a commercial practice trying to represent people's personal work to the, fine, uh, to the uh, commercial industries. And so that was where I learned how to negotiate, I think, in a bigger, more sort of competent way, less nervously, yeah. <laughs> fielding a phone call and saying what someone's day rate might be or my day rate might be. And Yeah, I mean, yeah. That's, those are, that's a pretty bold move, right, to just sort of pick up and head out. Uh, across the country. Did you grow up in Virginia? I did grow up in Virginia. What did your uh, parents do? My parents have always actually supported me. Uh, they didn't necessarily understand what I was up to. They, I mean, but they were quick to be proud of me if I even had like the most minor of accomplishments. You know, they were pretty pretty excited. So <laughs> I don't know. They're, uh, so moving back to Richmond was not necessarily... Is that where they are? That's where they are. Okay. And that's where I am now for the last 16, 17 years. And uh, it was not necessarily in my plans, but... My son and I moved back there in 2000 and, you know, didn't quite know what I was doing other than raising a young guy. And so I was doing freelance. I was teaching uh, darkroom and art foundations at Virginia Commonwealth University. I worked for some magazines. I was just kind of saying the guy that said yes to everything, you know, most everything I could anyways. I I know that feeling. (laughs) Yeah. So I was an adjunct teacher, you know, so the the, uh, career track was kind of a composite of a few few things. You, you said your son moved back? Yes. Okay, from, from we the were girlfriend. In, we were in Minnesota had. at the time. Okay. Yeah, I bumped around a little bit, but yeah. five years in uh, Arizona, five years in Minneapolis or, or Lake Country in Minnesota, and, uh, and then back to Richmond in about 2000. Okay. Is your, your son with you now? Well, he's actually up in Boston now. He's oh. studying film, but yeah, we, nice. I raised him uh, oh, okay. in Richmond, yeah. What did your folks actually do for a living? Uh, my dad was printer, uh, or he was president of a printing press, and uh, retired into teaching. So he's, oh. he teaches business at v- VCU. Okay, so it's not so far removed from your it's career not. goals, I right? never. Yeah, it, it was not... S- it was more like medical journals and stuff, and it was this cool big industrial plant. And it was more I, the yeah. art part of it, maybe, right? Yeah, that was that confusing. Was, yeah, that was the thing that yeah. my dad was slower to apprehend. Smart, <laughs> smart guy, like hasten to say, smart guy. Uh-huh. But yeah, it was the art that was like, that was not part of my, even growing up with him particularly. Yeah, yeah. He, he left whatever decisions that needed to be made create, creatively to my mother. Right. And that was like Audubon print here and flower arranging and such. Yeah. So what brought you back in 2000 to Virginia? Uh, being a single dad and kind of just, it was more of a conservative play just to have some family nearby. Yeah. Was, it, was there a, a job or? No. Nope. It was, it was, no, <laughs> okay. it was not. It was just kind of sort of a fallback to having some support. 
Right. Yeah. Someone to uh, watch uh, the sun while mm-hmm. you were looking for work. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> and all this time, are you still photographing? I am. I am. Uh, I've got little ones again. So my son's up in college and my young girls are one and four. Oh, wow. And uh, so I'm making a lot of nerdy dad photos for yeah. the most part. Yeah, me and I'm, too. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm editing a family book, a book on uh, family photographers who photograph their family. And uh, that's been sort of on the drawing board for a couple of years. And hopefully it'll be my ninth book that we'll publish at Candela. Through Candela, right. Mm-hmm. Which, which we are going to get to, believe me. Um, but the, the, what kind of work are you doing sort of uh, as you're traveling around from San Francisco to New Mexico, was it? Um, uh, well, to Arizona. Arizona, to San yeah. Francisco to Arizona. I did, uh, I don't know, I was, became uh, somewhere in there uh, pretty devoted to plastic cameras and toy cameras and sort of low fidelity look of imagery. I was also interested in the family work then because a little boy came soon after moving to Arizona. Um, yeah, I, for some reason, I w- I've always been a darkroom uh, person and I kind of got into film and sort of that pictorial imagery. With the chip on my shoulder, I, I feel like a lot of the, the Diana and Holga world is sort of programmed to be having a fun and right. going to the fair and don't think, just shoot the, the Lomo uh-huh. uh, motto, which kind of irritates me, sort of no <laughs> end. So I do one day want to put together a, a lo-fi imagery book that's got like an edge to it. That's not the cotton candy signs and the, right. the, the swing ride. <laughs> so I'm trying, to, I'm trying to kind of cobble together a that, folder of that work as well. It's interesting you talk about that because you, you do have um, a kind of a thread of Americana through some of your work. In fact, one of your projects is called Americana. Miss Americana. Miss Americana, right. Yeah. But it's, there is a, I can see a sort of wry, almost sense of humor in some of it mm-hmm. in the work. Um, a little bit of sarcasm in the work. Mm-hmm. Um, Politics is right. in the work. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and it is true. Mm-hmm. I, it, it's fairly light in, in spots as well. And sometimes the, the images that have had some success in the gallery world tend to be kind of prettier or, right. you know, uh, void of like, I don't know. And, political subversive ideas or, right and and you mentioned nostalgia but are do you think of nostalgia as as um something positive in the work or or something negative in the work i think it's a tool um i absolutely think it's a tool i you know i'm sepia tone a lot of my imagery um especially the the uh, diana camera work and that it makes it a throwback it feels like an old article mm-hmm. um and you know and if given an opportunity to like philosophically you know, riff on what photography means. I do think with time, most photos get better. And so injecting this notion of an older image almost utilizes that psychology, I feel. I don't know. We actually have, but we have in the booth now, we have a woman, Lisa Koken, who's using vernacular photographs. And it's, I don't know what's the most photographed piece like on Instagram and whatnot here at the fair, but that is getting a ton of love. Oh, okay. Yeah. I yeah, don't know who's yeah. considering buying it. It's a pretty right. handsome piece. It's ambitious and, and kind of expensive, but, but uh, people are really drawn to it. And there, there is some magnetism to that old sepia yeah. world of portraiture and whatnot. And you, you can see a, a, what looks like the, the old handmade prints in your work, what look, looks like the toned prints and the plastic camera lenses and things like yeah. that. But you did say, uh, I think you told me a little earlier that that you're not as wedded to the as wed as wed, as tied to the darkroom as you used to be, and that is it. Does that include your personal work, or is it you're talking just about the gallery? Well, I was talking about the gallery. I think at that mm-hmm. particular moment, um, when I opened the gallery seven years ago, I think I mentioned that 
Uh, I opened with uh, Gita Lenz was the first book that we did, followed by Shelby Adams, followed then by a gentleman named Julio Mitchell, who is an amazing printer. And I think I'm a, 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 fairly, a fairly stout printer as well. And so, I mean, I just had this sort of sense that, you know, you see a lot of gelatin silver, dark rooms uh, type of works in my gallery. And maybe I hadn't given uh, digital printing its, its fair shake. I now actually have a different, it's evolved. My sense like a good print is a good print is a good print. And someone who works natively with an archival inkjet print, yeah. why the hell would I want something else from them? You right. know? So I've, I have evolved. But yeah, no, Darkroom is still, still maybe the better among equals for me. Uh-huh. Like if I, if, yeah, I, yeah. if I had a beer in me, I might say something like that. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Yeah. Well, I, that, you know, it's interesting because I've been thinking about merging my digital and film classes together just hmm. to make them photo one and photo two again right, and not right. make distinctions and yeah. give students five weeks of digital and five weeks of darkroom and the last five weeks they just get to pick whatever it is they want to do yeah uh, because the camera skills are all the same right it's, yeah then it's just it's a matter true. of darkroom and output it's and true. well what you do it's the that. speed of the digital almost does make it a different medium oh yes yeah i yes. mean it's like the difference between darkroom photography and daguerreotype or wet wet plate or something it's just like you have to move more deliberately slowly oh, yeah. or no no you cameras i still fully yeah. believe in the foundation of photography starting when the darkroom starting yeah. with a film camera because it does slow you down mm-hmm. it also it makes the stakes much higher for every step along the way. Yeah, the twenty dollars goes yeah, that's right. goes not so far. Yeah, and it um, it it is a relief for my students not to sit in front of the computer. Right, it's actually a Some. break. Some. Yeah, no, no, no. I Some know. of them might I feel know. like yeah, a hostage yeah. in that yeah, dark yeah. room. <laughs> so they're like, oh my god, I could just do this in thirty seconds with yeah. my digital I camera. Four hours making terrible <laughs> thing. <laughs> But that's a, it's a, it's important, I think. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. It, it, but but I do like the idea of also not then saying, well, I'm a film photographer. Well, I'm a digital photographer. Just yeah. kind of do away with that. Yeah. Uh, but still. But uh, on the other hand, I'm I'm making photographers who only thought they would take digital classes do darkroom and right, giving right. them that experience, and they might yeah. not think they want it, but they might end up liking it in the end. You know. It seems cool. Yeah. So Candela starts in 2010 mm-hmm. as a. For books, a yeah, book publishing as a publisher, idea. Yes. Yeah, and and then in t- 2011, you you open up the gallery. It was the idea was to show the people who have published books with you, right? Correct. Well, and that didn't last long. <laughs> yeah, no. It it was because we actually worked with like our books. We had a nice little run. It developed really nicely. That the first three books we did, I felt like were notable people. The first Gita Lens was a bit of a discovery. Um, she had a pedigree and a and a resume, but that dated back to the 50, 1950s. And she was accomplished. She struggled as an artist, but she was accomplished. She was in the Museum of Modern Art a couple of times and um, abstraction and photography, family of man. She was in the Brooklyn Museum. So she had issues in a couple of collections. She did some uh, editorial work, but she had more or less been sort of uh, forgotten a little bit. And I met her as an older person. And so I saw her as a notable person, even though she was being rediscovered. Shelby Adams is a uh, notable American Your photographer. Your latest book, right? No, Shelby Lee Adams was uh, my second book, actually. Oh, okay. And uh, and then Chris McCall you was the third your book. Website. <laughs> huh? Yeah. <laughs> okay. By all means, uh, we could hook you up today, I think. Uh, but those first three uh, were cool in their own distinctive way, and so I thought, you know, maybe I should put something on the wall. I had a studio uh, mate, uh, Terry Brown just a great friend and somebody that we, I always liked having a studio, even though she's sort of the alpha dog in the studio. Um, I 
not one that goes into that studio that often, but generally I've enjoyed being a partner in one. And so we opened up a studio and there was a, a pretty good sized front room to that studio. We we're going to put up some work and see how it went. And it went really well. So the support we got, I just was, I was a little surprised by, but uh, it was enough kind of inertia to keep us going. And so we started putting new things on the map and we couldn't uh, publish enough books to have a steady diet of people that only that we publish. So we needed to kind of keep, you know, our eyes open for friends, peers, new talent. And then you started with the uh, Invitational, mm-hmm. um, which <laughs> the name of which I knew and now it just jumped yeah, out of my head. Uh, the summer exhibition is called Unbound. Unbound, yeah. right. You're on Unbound 7 now? Unbound 7 this summer. Yeah, yeah. And how did... Um, like, how did you decide how to put that out and how, how to judge the entries and all those kinds of things? What, what I wanted to do, I'd actually uh, heard of, but didn't apply to, uh, something out of um, Houston. It was the Museum of Fine Arts there, has a patron group. I think this might be defunct now, but some years ago, 10 years ago maybe, there was something called Photo Go-Go or some, oh, some, I remember some, that. some riff yeah, on yeah. that. And basically, they had a great sort of fundraising party uh, and democratically arrived at what out of this exhibition they would, they would mount, would go join the collection at the Museum of Fine Arts. And so it was like this sanctioned kind of accession by a patron group. And I thought that was really cool. And as a kind of a you know, mid-career photographer myself, getting into a collection is, is, no, is news. Yeah. That's a noteworthy happening. You know, you might have a ton of shows or you might have lots of publications where your work's been run, but... Still, most of us are slowly, one by <laughs> slowly, one. Step by step. Yeah, getting, getting into various collections. And so I wanted to do something that created a collection opportunity. So that's where it came from. We, we sort of pirated uh, that Houston concept, brought it to Candela as an invitational and a juried affair where I'd invite a few names so that I could drop those names in marketing or PR and then I would uh, kind of then I didn't really care who you were. I just wanted to see cool things. Um, and we made it photographer friendly with no fees. There's no theme. And we wind up with 30 to 35 people in the gallery with one or two pieces each. And the show's kind of a hot mess, uh, I would have to <laughs> confess. But it is things that uh, start to suggest the curation happens around like some of the invited people and the, the work kind of does come together in a in a sort of an orderly way is it um there's a kind of post curatorial idea then that comes through the yeah the you know I, I find myself explaining this every once in a while and it, and honestly you, you you start editing in the morning or you start editing at night or with you know in a depressive state or in a you know you just had a great afternoon i mean you could select a few things that then you know, almost insinuate the path that you're going. So I could sit down to that show and do come up with different solutions each time. I I find that is what happens a lot. Even if the show has a theme, I find there's a sub-theme or a secondary theme that comes through. Yeah, yeah. Um, You can't have this without that. Right, exactly. These actually inform each other somehow. And and it might seem surprising, but it's also a product of the time in which you have the show, right? This is what people are doing and this is the work you're getting. This this is stress levels of the economic indicators or what's going on in the political spectrum. Exactly. I actually more and more am feeling kind of like a political animal, Mm -hmm. you know? And so if I have an opportunity to show 35 people, they don't all have to pay the overhead for the gallery. Some of them could be just really a middle finger to, you know, right. state of affairs or, right. you know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 So I feel like maybe we glossed over your own work a little bit. 
What um what in what order are the series on your website? Is US one later? It is, is later. Gord is dead. Um, Gord is dead. More recent. It's ongoing um, <laughs> until I will be dead. Essentially, I'd like to enjoy that one before I do, in fact, die. But it is a diaristic collection of work, and I right. and honestly, I'm um I'm a little undisciplined. Uh, I used to be quite a shooter before I kind of became a gallery person and that's really is i'm a desk jockey uh yeah, yeah. most of my days now and or at a fair like this or in a portfolio review or there's it's it's a fun profession as well but <laughs> it's different uh -huh. um so gorgeous dead is just like my life kind of uh with a little bit of irony and symbolism basically right. it's not a straightforward too journalistic it's it's got some pathos and and people who might care about me after i'm gone somewhat uh -huh. Yeah, it has a it has more of a journalistic journal kind of and, feeling, and some of them might have stopped caring about. Right, me. that's right. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, I would say that's probably some of them a might sure stomp thing. on the prints. After. Yes, yes, they will not buy that book. I don't know. I don't know. I don't have too many burnt bridges. But. Oh, good. <laughs> oh, so then the other would be Miss Americana, which Miss I, Americana, I, which right. is also that's one I feel like I could actually drop into the world. I um, I've now put together some skills i've helped put together some books each book right. i've learned a bit more i don't necessarily want to vanity publish that book i'd almost rather give it to somebody else mm -hmm. or partner or something because uh i've i've kept my own work out of my gallery i have given I, myself I a share of a thing. book yeah, yeah yeah um there's a book project with my partner terry brown studio partner terry brown who uh, we, you know i am a part of that and it's something we published but it's been a pretty good book so i just thought why not Right. Um, but for the most part, I'm not trying to create a vehicle for myself. So that one's about time, though, because it's now got 15, 18 years and more good work that could be edited down to a pretty toxic brew, I think. Well, t talk about the project a little bit. That is the project where I read you were talking about nostalgia. Yeah. And that's Miss Americana. And that is, you know, it's the beauty pageants and it's, it's the political rallies. I live in Richmond, just 90 minutes from D.C., so I'll go... Uh, to a Tea Party uh, rally, or uh, uh, I've been to the DNC in Philadelphia, war protests, RNC in Cleveland. So I, I, I kind of go to these uh, little hot spots, if you will, uh, Black Lives protests, and and then I add that to things that are like like profane, you know, like Bike Week in Daytona or uh, Fantasy Fest in Key West, and my having moved around the country a little bit over the last twenty years or my adult life. And then still traveling around the country my last 20 years, I've hit a lot of states and a lot of cultural moments. And is, like, like it, many people, it's a broad subject. Is the, it's just but trying is the to subtext, add something. Is the subtext that within all of these things, there is this level of superficiality as well as the way we judge people, the way we examine people? Um, I like connecting to things, quite honestly. Uh, I have a project that really didn't go very far. It's not on the website, uh, it would, but it was called Naked Pilgrim, and it was about religion and entertainment. And some of those things have actually collapsed into Miss Americana, basically, because they sort of fit. Uh, and that's, that's true with a lot of these projects. Some mm -hmm. of these images might do double duty, I guess. Sure. But, <laughs> it's but, all you. <laughs> but Naked Pilgrim, you know, I started probably with a kind of speculative judgment about what religion and entertainment might mean. You have, uh, you know, the world's biggest passion play in Eureka Springs, and you have the creation museums, cre uh, creationism museums, and these places where you're exchanging money for a religious experience. It's interesting. 
You know, uh, the yeah. there's a in Orlando. There's a theme park. You know, oh yeah, the Holy Land experience. It is, and so I kind of went into those with one idea because I'm kind of an agnostic slash atheist person. Did you grow up with religion at all? Uh, I mean, you in, grew up in, in a religious area, sort of in a right. a habitual sort of practice, not necessarily a, a rigorous one. Anyway, so I, but then, you know, I just kind of, you know, I meet good people and I, I kind of respond to those people and I'm not, I don't like judgment because I don't like being judged either. Mm-hmm. And I feel like religion is guilty of that in a, in a grand way, having nothing to do with photography. The judgmentality makes me upset because I have an instant almost echo of that judgmentality myself. Well, it, it does become ingrained. I grew up yeah. very Catholic and, okay. you know, you, you, you get the guilt and you get the judgment. You've yeah, got to fight so, it. Yeah. And if you feel judged, then you, I don't know, there's, some, there's something really reciprocal and negative about that. Even, you know, even when both sides kind of judge themselves by the best of their intentions. Anyway, so I, I ventured in there, but it wound up just being comic and somewhat humanist, and I just I enjoy people day to day, and so I'm, I try not to add too much negativity, so it becomes more humor and ride derision. Yeah, I could see that. I see yeah, that in typos work, definitely. in a tea party sign. Right. <laughs> you know, it doesn't mean I couldn't have something to say or something to transact with that person. Right. You know, but I, I, I like to poke a hole in their politics. Right. No, and we all, we all have family on yeah. completely different sides of the fences and yeah, family yeah. we love and still talk to, not yes. just family we've yes, uh, stopped talking to. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> and I know that you are also, uh, by the way, you were, um, uh, let's see, after I met you with Draper, I mentioned you to Sasha Waters Fryer sure. and I found out you two know each other. Yes, indeed. are good friends and she speaks very highly of you. Yeah, no, she's good. She's actually having a nice moment now with she the is. Gary Winogrand film. Yeah. All things are photographable. Yes, yeah. yes. I, I was, uh, I, I gave to the, gave to the, uh, Kickstarter. Right, the Kickstarter. Awesome. Good on you. I um, can't wait to show it to my students. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be good. Yeah, I've I, seen I've seen most of most of the. I don't know if I've seen the actual take, but I've seen most of uh, her edited footage. And uh, yeah, it's fun. The music's great, and then the Super Eight stuff in there is awesome. Oh yeah, and it just got premiered in uh, South, by Southwest, South by Southwest, and she won a special jury prize. Which was or a curious. It was a re uh, reinterpretation of a male street photographer by a feminist. It was the best reinterpretation yes. of a male street <laughs> photographer by a feminist. I'm not sure how many were in that category, but but she steamrolled the competition. That's right. I'm sure she did. <laughs> Which is gonna, congratulations, no Sasha. On that. <laughs> no, that's yeah. great. It's a great honor, and, and she, yeah. I mean, well-deserved. She's a, such a hard worker. She really gets things mm-hmm. done. And he's an interesting cat, you know, yep. no, matter, no matter your opinions. He's definitely like an, an eccentric. And that's actually one of the footnote. One of the things, looking around here, I love meeting people here that all of a sudden, you know, oh, God, you know, you, you get a name and you realize that name's oh, attached you. to his amazing body of work. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's happened twice so far. George Tice and oh, Bill wow. Owens. And last year, uh, uh, it happened with... Um, Mike Mandel, and oh, you know, yeah. I mean, so it's just really fun to kind of put a, a human to a name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. especially the these sort of um, older photographers never they never put their faces on yeah, things. There's no you street level recognition. Right, there was basically. no social media. Right, you lived in a dark room. Yeah, or a classroom. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. So you do teach at Virginia Commonwealth University at VCU. I have. What are you teaching there? I have. I'm not or, teaching oh, there. It's been about two years since I've okay. since I've taught there. Um, I was a dark room guy. I'd teach basic and intermediate photogra- uh, dark room, and then I would um, uh, before that and alongside of that for a for a hot second uh, art foundation, which is the freshman level kind of uh, concept class. You know, a little bit of a boot camp. 
scenario. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, you Did you want, like teaching? I love teaching. I stopped more because the needs of the gallery outran my ability to to kind of serve students very well. Time a, management, yeah. Yeah, there was a while there where I felt like I was maybe like not my best. And so I tried to make an adjustment and uh, I feel like I'm doing something here too, you yeah. know, what I'm doing now. So Gordon had to step away for a little bit there because while I'm just monkeying around with microphones, you're actually on the clock. <laughs> that's right, that's right. <laughs> so you, ha- you actually had a bit, pretty big group there. We did. It was a tour of some kind, but then also mixed in there was an old friend of mine who is interested in uh, a couple of artists, and so it was nice. just sort of a long conversation. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I think we were talking about you know time management and all, and I, I had, you had mentioned that you felt like maybe you were slipping a little bit just trying to keep, do everything, right? And I, it's something I, um, I've been experiencing too because, like I said, with the, the gallery and the podcast and teaching, uh, but one of the things I, I have discovered is that I can, because the gallery is part of the school, I can actually bring my students into the gallery and mm-hmm. let them help run it and hang shows and install. I've had some students who've really gotten excited about curating a show and meeting the artists and you know talking about their ideas about the show. And that's been really great for, the, for teaching. Right, right, right. And for us, we have a real co- close relationship with VCUs still. Um, I'm not in the in the weeds as much, like in the dark room and trying to, you know, stave off tears when <laughs> stuff doesn't go quite right. But we are having people into the space, and we'll do. Uh, I'll I'll jump in and teach a segment on on books or project development, or you know, every once in a while I get to kind of uh, have a moment with different people's classes. Nice. Um, governor schools very nearby. Uh, a few colleges, but VCU is probably the closest relationship. So I've still kind of got my finger in it a little bit. But. Yeah, yeah. So what was it like starting Candela? I mean, where did you where did you get the funds? Where did you get the help? Where did you get the building? Yeah, the um, well, it it was. I, I I always hate because I'm here in this kind of high end environment. In some ways, just you know, hoping to run with the big dogs. You know, that's kind of a it's a little anxiety producing. And so I I'm, I try to be careful semantically. I just I I'm, but I'm kind of an accidental gallerist in a way i didn't dream this situation up and i'm not sure it's the pinnacle like i feel like uh more balance for me is actually the pinnacle but we were working with interesting people i was publishing books and learning and i thought that you know what this might could be interesting to people richmond is a good arts town vcu is the number one arts uh, state arts school in the country and so there's a pretty heady mix of people who are uh assertive and ambitious and uh, accomplishing things. And so there's a lot going there, I think. I'm actually becoming pretty cheerleadery about Richmond. And so we put a few shows up and we got a lot of support. And that was a surprise because Mm -hmm. as a working artist, having shows here and there, I had a successful show here and there, but also had shows that barely sold too. So I kind of was anticipating anything. I I didn't know that, I mean, we sold out a show and then some, like in one of our uh, first three shows. Yeah, yeah. So that because you're not you're not part of this sort of big market kind no. of gallery space. You know, we're in like you said, we're at iPad, and this is like sort of the highest end of galleries that show up here. And um, yeah, it, it's true, right? And you're in a different, very different kind of market. And and since then, I've realized it's fairly boom and bust. Um, we yeah, ha- we have a good show followed by two shows that are sort of sort of hard luck and. I sometimes have this hunch that something's going to do well, and I'm often wrong, and, and I'm surprised by what people do 
uh, get behind sometimes. Yeah, I have um, not figured out traffic yet yeah. for the gallery. Yeah, so it's interesting. And so it's not a, it's a rickety business. It's like my pat phrase for describing it. And the books are no better. Mm-hmm. So I've got two rickety businesses. I just did my taxes. And I, I, hate, <laughs> I hate to say it, but I feel like, you know, I did better as an artist. Mm. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I think there's an upside here that I haven't hit at all. Like right. I, I've actually had great half years, you know, but then then all of a sudden I'm sucking wind and just, you know, just paying overhead for for four months and right. nothing's happening. So Richmond does feel small when we don't have new collectors pinging us every so often. Um, and that's why we're here. I mean, because we feel credible. We feel like we're we're paying attention to but we do need more attention. And you've had, or you have gallery representation, right? You, you're represented in Virginia. You are or were represented here in New York? I've uh, worked with Robin Rice in New York. Um, last show there was probably four years ago, and it's really kind of on me probably because I have, like I said, been kind of preoccupied with a small business. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a, a gallery in Richmond, Paige Bond Gallery, and she's great, and she's always kind of just throwing something of mine into various mixes or group shows or whatever. And, uh, you know, that's, right. you know, I can kind of uh, have a little presence, and that's in my hometown, so that's kind of fun. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I actually hope to spring back onto the scene at some point. So you're not anti-big gallery. Like a lot, some people I speak to when they start s- small spaces or alternative spaces, it's because they're kind of overwhelmed and disgusted by and sick of the sort of big art market idea yeah right and and where do you fall kind of with that because you, you started a, a in some ways a, a space that in a place that needed it right it's true and actually there's and this is again accidental uh but i hate i hate to kind of like give up the fact that i lack strategy but honestly <laughs> there there is a sort of a desert uh in richmond virginia there was no photo gallery there was a there are a couple of blue chip galleries that'll handle sally mann or handle mm-hmm. uh emmett gowan say and but my feeling is i could talk circles around them with where where photography is concerned and i'm still trying to learn the business that they're very good at you know right, but right. photography that's been my life for 30 years now and so i do feel like i've got something to offer now, outside of Richmond, D.C.'s got things that have come and gone. Um, some really great historic uh, players like Joe Tard or Kathleen Ewing. But, you know, Kathleen's, I think, more a dealer now. And um, I'm probably disrespecting somebody, but I don't know who. <laughs> um, George Hemphill's great, but it doesn't always show photography. So I don't know where to point you in D.C. Light Factory in Charlotte. Uh, there's been something in Lexington, Virginia that's... Uh, tried to happen, but I think it's gone. Asheville sometimes has something. But really, between Atlanta and New York, I feel like mm-hmm. we're sort of a stop, a yeah, destination. Yeah, I know. I think you are. Absolutely. Yeah. I wonder, uh, is there something going on in Asheville, maybe? Uh, Asheville, I've heard word of that. Yeah, uh, I feel like that's going to be when something. When my son yeah. was younger, I used to go to uh, drop him off at camp and spend a weekend in Asheville, mm-hmm. you know, on one side or the other of his camp trips. And yeah, I love Asheville, but I haven't been in a while, and I don't, the, I don't I know who it is. the food is there, then, then maybe the art galleries are next. Did you say food is <laughs> the there? The food is there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Richmond's got that, too. Food uh-huh. is kind of exploding everywhere, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Um, so what do you have uh, coming up at Candela? Let's see. Right now we have Morgan Ashcom on the walls, and he's uh, showing a great deal of work from his book, What the Living Carry, which I think he's having a book signing here in New York uh, tomorrow at Mac Books. It's a new book, and it's pretty exceptional. It's kind of a photographic fiction uh, where he has uh, conjured a town and populated that town and has kind of a, a gentleman scientist named Eugene who is dabbling in DNA sampling. He's got 
a guy that is probably just an utterly normal person, but he's sort of cast as a little bit of a, a creeper or an antagonist, and he's in a <laughs> video piece, and he's doing something kind of like, what the hell is he doing? And uh, so it's really pretty genius. There's lots of standalone imagery and things I, I dig about this work. But I also love the fact that the whole of it is kind of a subversion of truth and a, a creation. And it's, uh, it's pretty exceptional. In May, June, we have uh, Chris McCall and Harrison Walker. Uh, Chris McCall is working with uh, a kind of a, a bridging sort of two projects. One that's really established called Sunburn and Heliographs. And uh, uh, two or three uh, works where he's been... Uh, using the sun to both uh, expose uh, old paper, vintage paper, as well as kind of redact the, those images by using the sun to sort of carve its path across the sky. Yeah, nice. it's very interesting work. And we have some work in the booth here that people always sort of fall in love with that. Harrison Walker is uh, really a process uh, nerd, maybe, if he doesn't take offense at that, I hope. But he, he uses all <laughs> sorts of antiquarian process and printmaking techniques, and he's sort of a primitive, almost a printmaker as much as a photographer. Um, and then uh, Summertime brings Unbound, what we mentioned earlier, which is a collection opportunity. I should say, which I admitted earlier, or missed saying earlier, was that uh, we throw a great party during the course of Unbound. It's a group show. But that party generates a fair amount of revenue by tickets and raffles and weight guessing and uh, what else, specialty cocktails. And so the money we spend is uh, all generated by an event. And we've purchased, I think, 61 pieces so far in the last wow. six years. And those one day we'll donate to a permanent collection. I have some ideas uh, regarding that, but no really uh, contractual obligation yet. But we will, we pledge to donate that work. And we, we plan on growing that work. And I think that as the arc of certain artists' careers sort of take off, I'd like to think there'll be some added value with time. Right. Um, right. Then beyond that, in September, we have Willie Ann Wright. Uh, she is a Richmond native and somebody who is really the matriarch of uh, Richmond photography. She was doing really progressive work in the 70s. She was a painter. She, her, work, her paintings are in museums, but she took photography class to document her paintings and took off like a shot. She had to build a pinhole mm. camera and now, going on 50 years later, she's still doing pinhole work or lumen printing. Wow. Or She's really a genius and lovely. And we've paired her with a couple others. Courtney Johnson from Wilmington, North Carolina, who's also an alt-process uh, type. She's got some salt prints that are landscapes. Uh, a little Matthew Brantish in that she's developing uh, the prints, the salt prints in the different... Uh, levels of salinity that she's finding within the landscape that she's looking at. Um, mm. Really interesting, sort of heady. And then um, uh, the last is Lisa Koken, who doesn't really identify as a photographer, but she's an obsessive sculpture uh, maker, textiles, using vernacular photography. She makes tapestries or, uh, you know, televisions that are all hand-built mm -hmm. and then screen is populated with figures from vernacular photography. Oh, and right. so she's kind of uh, a, a mad kind of maker as well. <laughs> and so, yeah, great. it's going to be good. Yeah. And then in December or November, December, we have Paul Thulin, which will be a book release uh, exhibition. And it's called mm. Pine Tree Ballads. And it's a book that we're bringing out at Candela. That's excellent. That's a nice yeah, lineup. It'll be fun. Yeah. When people bring in their work and they're, they're printmakers at heart and all, do you get a little bit of a twinge like, uh, 
I can do. I used to do that, or I would like I to like do that. I like to. Uh, I like to kind of uh, blur the lines of photography. We are a photography mm-hmm. gallery, and that makes sense. Uh, in yeah. that, I think it uh, sets us apart, actually. But in truth, uh, working with Con and Selesnik last fall, um, their paintings, prints, sculpture, uh, theatrical garments, um, some tarot card illustration. It was a photo feature because we brought out a book about their photography, but it was a, uh, a whole lot more of that in the installation. So I'm, I'm susceptible to people who are not just simply straight-up photographers. Yeah. Well, I was, I was kind of referring back to that. You started out as I did. Right? I did. Yeah, yeah. Just have a great love I for do. It. And actually, I think yeah. that uh, one of my goals right now, short-term, kind of creatively, is to take a gravure class. Totally oh, yeah. just be a student, spend six weeks mm-hmm. doing, you know, I'd like to get ink on paper yeah. and just try to yep. interpret. I've done a lot of class taking and uh, I, that hasn't always resulted in a project or uh, a process right. I use much, but I, I'm nerdy enough to want to pursue new yeah, well, tools. It makes so much sense in this world of, uh, you know, photography with the resurgence of film and everything. And, you know, I, I, I mentioned earlier that I was combining my classes, mm-hmm. digital and film together. One of the reasons I'm doing that is to make room for a printmaking class go. to be in my program. And we have a printmaking adjunct right now who does photograph. Oh, nice. So. Nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah and the fact that you're doing analog in the first place is really, you know, kudos to you. That's like fighting right. a good fight. It is. <laughs> Do you have like a... A board, or do you use like an advisory staff or anything like that? No, no. As a nonprofit, I was on the board of 1708 Gallery for about nine years. Oh, yeah, you're a uh, emeritus, like, emeritus member. Emeritus member, yeah, right, right. Which right. means basically I show up at the parties now, <laughs> but for nine years I was a little more essential. Yeah. And, uh, and they're a great, long standing organization. Uh, and the board, I feel like, could be useful for me uh, in production of the books because mm-hmm. the books are a pretty poor business model. I think three of them have made money now. But that doesn't really subsidize the four that haven't. Right. You know, so that's something that needs needs some uh, juice, and nonprofit might help that. Mm-hmm. But I would rather control, I think, the programming. Yeah. For the gallery. No, I hear you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was recommend suggested to me that I might use an advisory commission, and I said, sure, as long as it's not for the shows. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like marketing, business, yeah. everything else, absolutely. My, yeah, my, yeah. my former associate director uh, curated a show, and you know, it's nice to make room for things and room, oh, yeah, room yeah. for people. Oh, yeah, um, guest curators are great. And Ashby Nickerson's my associate director, and she is uh, amazing, and mm-hmm. we have partnered on many decisions now. Uh, when we put together a show around a theme, we're both researching it. So it's not like a single entity in charge, but um, I'm not sure a board. I watched uh, I've watched committees do curious things. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> well, thanks for carving out the time. I know uh, you're busy. You got to work the booth. I surely appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Thank you. That was great. Uh, yeah, getting to talk to you finally. Awesome. You too. You too. Uh, thanks for having me. All right. Thanks, everyone. All right. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.